the last uh, few weeks I've been thinking about how important friendships are in life and uh, thinking about old friends who who've had it in the past and uh, through different reasons those friendships uh, have been lost or have um, grown distant. Um, just this past week I caught up with two two people who I've worked very closely with and who I would count very close friends and uh, just the Lord gave me those wonderful opportunities to renew the friendship and and uh, those friends are carrying some pretty heavy burdens and it was good to be there and just realised how significant in fact like I say three contacts of friends um, some of us um, as you get older you can feel very alone what happened to your friends <laughs> well if you're on Facebook you might have a hundred friends or more friendship in our culture in our day has become a very light thing hasn't it the friendship that we see between David and Jonathan is quite something it's an amazing thing it's so amazing that some people have said it's of a romantic or sexual nature no way no uh, they both end up marrying they had children uh, they they honored God's law um, in their culture, certainly, it was appropriate for men to kiss one another in affection as friends. But their friendship was intense and uh, something that was so uh, unique and special, even in that day. Uh, but it can speak to us. And it speaks to us of the nature of God's covenant love, probably more than any other relationship that we see in the scriptures between two people. This unfolding drama in 1 Samuel 20, it's not easy to follow. Uh, you have to read it a few times, or I have to. Uh, it centres on, on this deep and moving friendship between David and Jonathan. And remember, Jonathan is Saul's son. And there are four scenes, if you like. The first takes place when uh, David, after fleeing for his life from Saul, goes out to find Jonathan. And they talk. And the second scene takes place when Jonathan takes David out into the field to talk further. The third scene involves Jonathan and Saul around the king's table. And the fourth occurs between Jonathan and David back out in the field. Now, we haven't read the whole chapter, but hopefully by the end of the ser sermon, you'll have followed this series of events. This chapter is pretty intense when you realise what's going on. David knows that Saul is intent on killing him. This is the king of Israel. Jonathan doesn't believe him, but agrees to a way of finding out. And he does find out, and in the process nearly gets himself killed at the hands of the king, his father. And as a result, the friendship between Jonathan and David comes to a heartbreaking crisis. At the heart of this stormy drama, where everything that David and Jonathan value is threatened, they are secured from falling into despair 
by promises to one another that were rooted and grounded in chesed. That's the Hebrew word translated as kindness or steadfast love or unfailing love. And this is the covenant love. Chesed speaks of the covenant love that God has for us and gives us for one another. And so we see the language of God's covenant love in this chapter again and again and again. You might have to read it to see it, but it's there. Now, fallen human love, natural human love in this world, works on the basis of I will love you while you meet my need. When you stop meeting my need, I will no longer love you. That's how it is, isn't it? We know that because that's sometimes been where we've been. In our marriages, in our families, with our friendships. Covenantal love is... Actually, that's the kind of love that Saul had. That's Saul's kind of love. I'll love you while I need you, while you meet my need. When you threaten my need, you're in trouble. Covenantal love is faithfulness that carries on through all the ups and downs and changes that might seek to undermine our relationships. So both Jonathan and David share this unshakable faith in the unfailing kindness of God. That's what drew them together in this beautiful bond of friendship. They both had this uh, faith, this confidence in God and in his unfailing love. They were not just good mates who enjoyed a yarn and a beer together. Their souls were knit together in their love for God. Jonathan, the king's son, was not threatened by David's successes. Uh, it's obvious he began to see not himself but David as the future king of Israel. But in no way did he think David was out there ready to grasp the throne from his father at any opportunity. He loved David and he trusted him. You know, politics was a nasty business back then in the royal courts. And it is today, isn't it? Fallen human beings are easily corrupted by their own ambitions. So how refreshing... It is to see the power of chesed in human relationships, even at the top. Unlike Jonathan, Saul was totally jealous of David's growing popularity and saw him as a threat to his power. We've seen that. Uh, By chapter 20, he has attempted to kill David several times. David feared for his life, and he can't work out why. What's he done to deserve Saul's murderous rage? So let's work through the chapter. And I just want to ask the question, where do we run to when everything's going pear-shaped? We need to run to the one who has bound himself to us in covenantal love. You see, that's what David did after David had killed Goliath. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him 
as his own soul. Do you know that? Christ has loved you. He loves you as his own soul. So when David is in great turmoil, trying to understand why Saul was out to kill him, he runs to Jonathan. You say, why would David dare to turn to Saul's son, the king's son, when he's under attack from the king? Because Jonathan had made a covenant to the Lord. And the Lord was the witness and the security of those firm promises. And so in this time of crisis, David needed a safe place to run to. And he could trust Jonathan's covenant promises because they were backed by a covenant God. And he expects Jonathan to act with chesed towards David. So where do we run to in a harsh world? David shares his turmoil then with Jonathan and uh, Jonathan denies there's any threat. Uh, His father would not have hidden that from him. Now, how could Jonathan think that way when he knows his father's already tried a number of times? The reason why, back in chapter 19, we're told that Jonathan went to Saul, defended David's character and actions before Saul. He's not out to, to grab your your royal power. He's not trying to undermine the throne. And we're told that Saul listened to Jonathan's voice as he convinced his father, not sure whether Saul was making out here, not sure. But the response was that Saul swore as the Lord lives, he shall not put to death David. And Jonathan was sure that Saul would keep his word. And so in his mind, David need no longer fear. And we're told that at that point, chapter 19, Jonathan was able to restore David to Saul and he was in his presence as before. Sure, Saul had his crazy moments and, you know, you never knew where you were. But David had enough confidence in what Jonathan had said about this vow by Saul to go back. And so it seemed incredible to Jonathan that Saul wanted to kill David after making that vow. And it appears that Jonathan was ignorant of another attempt by Saul with a spear to kill David at the end of chapter 19. He's also unaware of the escape, the narrow escape after Michal, David's wife, warned him to flee for his life during the night. Jonathan hasn't heard that. So Jonathan thinks David is imagining this latest threat. And uh, David, David knows that Saul would not share that with Jonathan. And so David convinces Jonathan, no, there is a real threat. And there's a way to confirm it. And so David, Jonathan says, whatever you say, I will do for you. Even though he believes that David's fears are ungrounded, unfounded, he will do whatever is needed to help. Why? Because he's vowed out of love to show chesed, unfailing kindness to his friend. 
So David comes up, shares a way of determining uh, Saul's present state of mind. Saul would expect David, even in spite of all the drama between them, he would expect David to be at the royal table at the time of the New Moon Festival celebration. He was an official part of the court by now, the royal court. And his absence would be noticed by the people and raise serious questions about David's support for the king. You know, there's all this stuff happening behind the, the curtain, as it were. And David knows what's going on. Saul knows what he's about. But there's still the public image to maintain. And so, so David simply says, Jonathan, you go and say, look, I've, David had to go to Bethlehem for a sacrifice yearly sacrifice with his clan and if he accepts that it's all good then that's a sign that it's all good but if he's angry and uh, David's going to hide out in the field till the third day and that's where the conversation is happening there they're out there in the field Jonathan leads him out they talk about what's going to happen he'll hide in the field until he gets a word from Jonathan And so he says, deal kindly with your servant, for you've brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. David calls himself Jonathan, the king's son, his servant. David doesn't put himself over Jonathan. He's saying, show me God's unfailing love. Do this for me. And uh, it's his confidence in the covenant that Jonathan made that gives him a reason to, uh, to look to him. And he said, look, if there's guilt in me, kill me yourself. Why should you bring me to your father? If I'm guilty of sin, of that serious nature, then you kill me yourself. David would rather be killed by Jonathan, his covenanted friend, than by Saul. Jonathan's response, far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? So Jonathan assures David, and his love reflects God's love, not just any kind of love, but a faithful love, not just any kind of kindness, but a dependable kindness, even in the midst of conflict. You know, David and Jonathan are not seeing eye to eye here. But Jonathan is hanging in there, and so is David. And so in, when David's world is falling apart in Jonathan, he has this reliable, trusted friend who would not fail him. And uh, this is one commentator, commentator writes this. This is so important. Love gives itself in covenant and gladly promises devoted love in that covenant. The covenant partner then rests in the security of that promise and may appeal to it. That's what marriage is about, isn't it? And that's what really close friendships, I think choose, choose your friends carefully because if this is what it's about, you've got to be there through thick and thin, even when they let you down. This is what our relationships in the life of the church is about. It's not just a happy, oh, we'll come when we like and, you know, if we don't like it, well, no, we're bound together in covenant love. Because we're in Christ. So what a friend David had in Jonathan. Joseph Scriven was born in Ireland in 1819. He graduated 
from Trinity College. He fell in love in London, made plans to marry and settle down. The day before the wedding, his fiancée drowned in a terrible accident. He was devastated. He moved to Canada. He fell in love with another young woman. Just weeks before the wedding, she contracted pneumonia and died. And he was shattered. He ended up taking a vow of poverty and sold his worldly possessions and gave himself to, to helping those who were in need and then heard his mother had died and he didn't have the money to return. And he wrote these lyrics. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Saviour, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise Forsake thee, take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Christ has bound himself to us in covenant love as a friend like no other. And we should run to him no matter what happens. He is the friend who loves at all times and whose love will never fail. He shows us the very heart of God in the midst of all our trials. And he's the, he's the one who is full of grace and truth. Grace, chesed. It's the Greek word for the Hebrew. Chesed ultimately comes not from a formal covenant promises, but from the very nature and heart of our covenant God. And so, so our Friend, Christ, who loves us as his own soul, shows us the God who is abounding in kessed and rich in love. Now let's come back to the story from verse 10. Uh, basically, what's going on? David says, who's going to tell me what to, you know, if, he, if your father answers roughly, how am I going to know? And so then that's where Jonathan takes him out of the field. And he said in verse 12, the Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. Here's this covenantal language. And if, he says, look, if, if I find out that my father wants to do you harm, then the Lord do me harm if I don't tell you. Ah, Verse, he says, may the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. That's a hint that he knows God had been with his father as king in better days and that he'll be with David in the day that he reigns as king. And if I'm still alive, get that. What's David saying? Sorry, Jonathan's saying. Jonathan's saying that if David's angry with you, he's going to be angry with me. If I am still alive, if I get through this, 
Show me the steadfast, show me Chesed, that I may not die. Because if he's angry with you, God's going to deal with him and his house, which includes me. So show me kindness, my friend, and do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. In other words, from the children in my house. He knows he's going to be under the judgment of King Saul if King Saul stays um, in hostility and rage against David, the one the Lord has anointed. Do not cut off your steadfast love from me, from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. You see, Jonathan has this close friendship with David, but Jonathan knows the living God, and he knows God's covenant of love, and the way that blessing will come, and the way the judgment will come against those who do not live in his covenant love. And Jonathan loves God and he loves David and he doesn't want to be cast off. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. He's basically saying, may the Lord judge the house of my father if, this is, if what you're saying is true. And he did this, he's... And he, Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. This is not just a contractual legal. Yes, there are promises, there are covenant promises made, but they are made in the, in the fullness of his love. And really, there needed to be... Jonathan knew that there needed to be this covenant between them because there was going to be great conflict in the years ahead. Look, it happens all around the world, isn't it? Murderous coups. (laughs) And they not only kill the leader, but often they'll go for the family. They want to purge any threat to their new place of power that they've grasped. Um, it happened again and again in the history of Israel. You read 1 and 2 Kings. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. A willingness to kill any rival or person seen as a threat, and it's still present today. He, Jonathan, was willing to put his own life on the line. His love for David is greater than any plans for self-preservation. Yes, he wanted some covenant. He wanted some security. But he was willing to go into that lion's dead, as it were, the king's table. We have a friend who put his life on the line for us and died because of his covenant love. And that's why we can trust him. He loved us and gave himself for us. And actually, this is the kind of love that we're to have for one another. 
He laid his life down for us. We should lay down our life for our brothers. This is costly stuff, isn't it? And God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, we can trust such love because it came to us when we were unlovable. Our love is so fickle and dries up so easily. His love lays down all for its beloved in spite of all our selfish fickleness. And this is the kind of love, kesed, that we need in our marriages, with our kids, in our friendships and in our church. There's a sign, a a, a charcoal writing in our laundry, this big, and I've been walking past it again and again for years and just have not read it. But as soon as I read it, I remembered it was the words my nephew Adam said to his bride, Catherine, on their wedding day. Not knowing that he would have three boys with her and then she would have cancer and he would care for her through some very dark days before she died. And this, was, this is on our laundry wall. This was in their wedding. And this is Sonnet 116, Shakespeare. Love is not love. Which alters when it alteration finds. Let me say that again. Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it's an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. That's... Chesed. And that's why we can trust Christ. Because that's his love for us. He said, all that my father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will most certainly not cast out. Well, the plan was, how would he know? How would he get the message to David? David would wait till the third day, hiding in the field. When Jonathan gets the news, he would come out with a boy. He would uh, fire an arrow. And if the arrow went past the rocks where David was hiding, that would mean that... uh, I've got to get it the right way. that that would mean that he's in danger, that Saul is angry. If it was to, just to the side, it was safe. That's how they, he was going to get the message through. And so what happens? He goes to Saul's table. Jonathan goes there. Uh, Saul's not fooled by, for a moment by the excuse of why David's not there. He loses it completely. Listen to, listen to we, we heard it read. You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you've chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? And Saul hurls his spear at his own son. We, we've, we hear of, in Adelaide, parents killing their own children in rage. 
You see, human love doesn't last. He loses it completely. But in Jonathan's mind, it's not about me and my kingdom. It's about God's kingdom, even when it puts me at great risk. Life does not primarily consist in achieving our goals and dreams. It consists in fulfilling our promises. And that kind of love looks stupid in the eyes of the world. And we become an object of scorn and ridicule and even hatred. Saul was basically saying, you'll lose everything. Stay faithful to him and you will have nothing. And that's what the devil will tell us. But he knows nothing of God's covenant love, does he? The devil doesn't. So don't believe him. You know, Jonathan nearly lost his life, literally, for the sake of David. He certainly was losing all that the world was offering as the son of the king. But in the end, he lost nothing that mattered and neither do we. And like Paul, he was willing to suffer the loss of all things for someone else. So all this temptation regarding you and your kingdom could not steal his faithful love from David and neither should it steal our love for Christ and his kingdom. So Jonathan needed no no other evidence to, to see what was in his father's heart. He was angry. He was grieved for David. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You'd think he would be utterly grieved over what his father has just tried to do to him. But he's grieved that David had been disgraced by his father. So... The beautiful proverb, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And whether the friend is the same as the brother or 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 you you could have a brother or a sister who is a true friend, you know. But whatever, that love loves at all times. Good times, bad times, struggles. And that's where Jonathan, that's his love for David. Jonathan remains a faithful brother, no matter what. So Jonathan goes out, he fires the arrow, and then he tells the boy, when the boy retrieves the arrow, you go back to the town. And so Jonathan takes a risk to meet David. And listen to this. Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy, go and carry them to the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and they wept with one another, David weeping the most. And then Jonathan said to David, go in peace. Because we've sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord shall be between me and you. And between... This is the... There's only one other time that David will see Jonathan before Jonathan is killed in battle. 
And he says, peace. How can he speak of peace with all that threat that lay ahead on David and Jonathan? Jesus said, go in peace. Peace I leave you, not as the world gives. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Go in peace when everything looks like it's falling apart. This is the peace that comes from resting in God's covenant promises in Keset. You see, one greater than Jonathan has pledged himself to us in covenant love. Do you remember the disciples? They were hiding scared after the crucifixion. They'd all deserted him. Yet he comes looking for them into the room. Peace be with you. The wonderful. And he calls us his friends. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for once. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. A servant doesn't know his master's business. I've called you friends. Everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. This is the friend Christ sticks closer to a brother, lays his life down for us. Jonathan, David, they would not see each, they'd only see each other one more time. In other words, the friendship physically was going to come to an end. Had the friendship stopped? No. Did they email one another? No. I don't think they would have even written to one another. There was silence. But did they know they had a friend on earth that would lay his life down for the other? And yes, they did. And every thought and every memory, they delighted in their love for one another through all that they were going through. Though you have not seen him, you love him. I hope you do. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, how you love us. How you loved Lazarus, you called him. They all saw you, your love for him, because when he was in that tomb and his sisters crying, we read that you wept. How he loved them, how he loves us. Dear Lord, loved us you gave yourself for us that we might live pour such love into our being 
that we might love with such steadfast, unfailing kindness those whom you bring to us, those whom we live with, and those who are in the family of God, our brothers and sisters together here. May we know the utter security that comes from trusting your great covenant promises that are all yes and amen in Christ. Bless your word to our heart this day. Deal with anything, Father, that has hardened, that has grown cold, that has stopped feeling what you feel towards us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.